Welcome to this week's episode of Brave Free Professional Wrestling. Yet another Saturday. And yes, once again, you're getting your weekly dose of Sean and Ashley as I brought Ashley back onto the podcast this week. Ashley, how excited are you for tonight as we're getting ready to see FTR versus Better Than You, baby? I am so excited to see which way we're going. I feel like there is maybe three or four different outcomes for this match tonight. And not knowing which way it's going to go makes it that much more exciting. Like I mentioned, I feel like we could have MJF just kind of revert back to his old self, turn back to being heel, resume Adam Cole being babyface. But I do kind of like this prevailing idea that I've been seeing of Adam Cole being the one to turn on MJF. It possibly cost them the tag team titles leading into this, this next match they have coming up, no matter what, because MJF already told him, you have a guaranteed title shot, essentially. You know, Ashley, coming out of that, that stage segment they had on Dynamite. I had so many questions coming out because they had so many possibilities of where to go next in the storyline. And the fact that Adam Cole was going over the top, going like, man, you are becoming one of my best friends. I was going, oh, are they going to do a double turn? Is it possible that Adam Cole can make this flip and become a bigger heel than MJF and babyface the most disingenuous babyface MJF into a puffer baby face. I would love to see it, honestly. I, I mentioned last week, I would just love to see MJF be a baby face just to see how he would do it. We all know he can. He's super talented. So just seeing how he would approach it would be funny. I kind of love the idea of Adam Cole being the one to break up this tag team that everybody has fallen in love with and, you know, been like, oh, this is exactly what we needed. And that that's already the perfect jumping point for you to be the heel in the situation. So... I think it could work if they go that way. See, I kind of want them to go that way now because I feel like that's the direction a lot of people would not see. And that would be the, such a shock and surprise to, sorry to do this pun, but shock the system. <laughs> For a minute there, I think Roddy could be a bigger hill if he's the one that causes them the tag titles. And then you spend Cole and Roddy off into your own little feud. But I like your idea before we came on air where you're like, you know, they got the Kingdom here doing ROH tapings inside of AEW. Why don't you have Cole join back up with his old teammates in the Kingdom and have the Kingdom come onto AEW TV? Yeah, those guys have been so good. They've been killing it in the ring in Ring of Honor and stuff like that. So bring them back on. Give them more of a prominent position on Dynamite or Collision, you know, whichever show they're going to be more featured on because MJF and Uncle have been on both a lot um, in the past few weeks. So figure out the spot to put him, and I think you could have a, a you know great heel faction get back together. And we're still a bump away from all in. And literally, we may have one match we can talk about, but I would like to see this rematch between Adam Cole and MJF for the world title at all in. That would be good. And maybe there, that could be the moment where everything falls apart. You had the tag team champions in MJF and Adam Cole fight for the MJF's world title. And that's when the friendship dissolves because Adam Cole thinks the world title is more important. Oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> and, and here we go again. Poor MJF. Once again, thought he had a friend. This time, he doesn't turn on the friend. The friend turns on him. That's already like such a character development for MJF. <laughs> We're, well, actually, I can't wait to tonight to see what comes out of this episode of Collision. Collision is easily the best two hours of wrestling TV on right now. It's so good. I, I hate that there are a lot of fans that seem to not want to give it the chance because of 
you know, whatever happened with CM Punk and the Elite and people feel like they need to like pick sides over it. You don't want to watch certain segments. Don't watch certain segments. So don't not watch this show. You're going to miss out on Andrade El Idolo and Buddy <laughs> in a ladder match because you don't want to watch CM Punk. Like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, like, you can watch the wrestling in the ring and I got torn a little bit with CM Punk, but I'm to the point where, I mean, I can watch him wrestle a match and know I'm not going to go not watch a program because CM Punk's on it because there's some good stuff underneath that match that he's going to have if i had an attitude i would be missing ftr versus mjf and adam cole tonight and that was pretty stupid on my part yeah i feel that way and i it, it's weird to see like we kind of already see enough tribalism you know i think in wrestling fans with like even just wwe and AEW, but to see it like within like AEW and their two like main shows and like holy like chill <laughs> like i said you don't want to watch segments that's fine but don't miss out on these shows i think you're just doing yourself a disservice you know missing something exactly actually i just feel like you're just maybe just making a mountain out of a small mohill that is something that you don't have a personal outcome involved in i mean like i don't have any personal estates in this feud between cm punk and the elite right i mean neither do i i does it suck yes does it affect television i think yes sometimes and that also can be a problem that's why i kind of felt like things should have been kind of more squared away before everybody came back but it is what it is you know exactly i feel like if you were gonna bring sam pump back everything should have been settled before you brought him back onto tv proper this idea of this not a brand split it is a brand split doesn't keep everybody happy i mean you could do it for a while but we're running out of time here eventually Everything's going to have to come together or you're going to have two different shows. One being Team Elite, the other show being Team CM Punk. And you can do that and let your fans decide which one they want to watch. But you're going to split your fan base eventually. That's exactly the point. I think that whole situation is kind of just still a black cloud hanging over AEW because I don't feel like because it's been fully resolved yet that there's still going to be underlying things. So I feel like anything could bubble back up to the surface on either side and blow things up again. And I feel like you're grown men, like you got to sit down and, and, and figure this out. Like you all want to be here. You all want to work here. You all love this company. Figure it out. You know, I mean, we all have people that we work with day in, day out that we may not be the best friends of. There's people I work with who I would never go out and spend an evening with having a dinner with. But yet I go in, clock in. I work with these people. And you say hi, you know, you small talk if you have to, and you just move about your day. To see, like, it affect almost everything from, like, their production to seemingly, like, the way their rosters have to be used and stuff like that is only going to hurt everybody in the end. Because if certain people can't be on Dynamite because of this, then they're not going to get to work with other people that it makes sense for them to work with. You know, maybe that person doesn't want to go to Collision, so now there's no way to get them together. We don't need that, you know? Work it out. Get everybody on the same page. Exactly. I feel like that's the perfect place to end this as I bring you into this week's edition of the Sunny Six Questions. It's time for the Stunning Six Questions. All the whys and what have they done now? Hopefully, David and Sean can make sense of it. And I'm going to lead off with probably the hottest debated topic coming out of AEW Dynamite this week. And it was our one and only women's match on the card. It was a first time ever matchup between Britt Baker, DMD, and Tyler Valkyrie. And actually going into this match, I was looking forward to it because these two ladies can freaking go. They just had a bad night at the office then. Boy, here comes the keyboard warriors out on the internet going after both ladies. 
like we we kind of talked about again before recording if you weren't happy with the match that's fine that's one thing say you're not happy with the match you didn't enjoy it you thought it was bad that's fine do not personally go after these people like that it's such a weird behavior to personally attack somebody because it reflects there are plenty of people who thought the match was just fine maybe you know just clunky or you know like off or something like that but to to say like it's bad fine you thought it was bad subjective opinion there you go it's bad but to to say they're fat or slow or you know like all these like weird comments that these girls get like they're warriors for even dealing with this stuff online to be Actually, you know what broke my heart was seeing Tyler Battery have to tweet out all the things that she had to deal with. And, oh, please, can we not be better? I was like, there's no reason why she needs to tweet this out because we should be better for her not to have to go through that situation. Because I was looking at her tweet and just like getting pissed off. And I, I tweeted out like, you know what? She doesn't need to do this. A group of fan base that are so-called fans need to grow up and be better than what they are right now right like i said to call that woman fat of all things is wild i like i don't even have the words to describe like so like how wrong these like criticisms are these are two beautiful women both in shape they're both very good at what they can do like you said it's a bad night at the office we occasionally see it sometimes and i just i never see the outrage as much as like you like a guy have a bad night or something like that. They might get some comments, but I feel like this discourse doesn't go on for days like it does if like the women's division has a bad match. Granted, we only get like one women's match per show, though it does stand to stick out a lot. I mean, I've seen Tyler Battery wrestle for the NWA about a year and a half ago, and seeing her live, she's not fat. She's fit as hell, and she's athletic as all get out. And I watched this match for a second time before coming on to chat with you, Ashley. And I just feel like there was one spot that everybody's saying where it didn't go well. They recovered very quickly and got back around to do a finish. And I thought, hats off to for thinking on her feet and not just stopping like some people would. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I feel like when a spot goes wrong, sometimes you see like that deer in the headlights look from a wrestler, like they don't know what to do next. And like to be even be able to just get up and like pull a few more moves and then kind of wrap around to the finisher again. More like that shows they're both intelligent at what they're doing. You know, they realize they made a mistake. And like you said, it was like that one spot. And I said earlier, like it's kind of even tough to tell like what happened. It looked like Taya lifted her up, but like maybe missed her arm to hold her there. And then Brit's momentum like carried her forward and she just fell forward because it's an awkward position to, you know, have to hold yourself at. Exactly. We're going to leave this right here. And go to our second stunning question as we are still talking about these quote-unquote fans. As apparently, earlier this week, a random fan, I use that in quotes, met up with Soraya and basically told her, Hey, I like Paige. I don't like Soraya. And I'm like stretching my head going like, dude, they're the same person. Then he has the audacity. Can I get a picture? I hope Soraya told him no or charged him like whatever he had in his <laughs> she got all the money i genuinely feel sometimes like wrestling fans are the reason why wrestling isn't as big as it once was because they are just what possesses you to go up to a person and say i like this you but i don't like this you but it, it's the same person what are you what are you talking about even the characters like i've seen before they're similar like they're not like he's not doing anything too different from what she was doing maybe she's a little more you know attitude you right now or whatever but it's genuinely like same style outfit, same kind of attitude. So I don't know. It's a weird behavior. 
Ashley, I was so mad looking at this tweet. I wish I was there so I could choke the dude's phone as far as I could. I couldn't even imagine like him, like somebody coming up to me and be like, "Oh yeah, I like this version of you from three years ago, but you now not so much." Can I can I take a picture with you? <laughs> like, well, what what is that? Like, what even goes on in your head to think that's okay to go up to somebody and say, "I don't I don't get it." I'm like, dude, she's come back from like two neck surgery. There's a point in time where we thought she would never be able to step in the ring or wrestle again. And we got a match with her and Britt Baker. I'm happy we got that match. She can do whatever she wants now. As long as she's happy, that's all I care about. So if it was me there, I'd be like, hey, nice to see you back in the ring. Thank God you were able to do it. Wish you all the best. Have a great day. May I have a picture? That would be me. There's even a way to go about it if you're not a fan of Soraya and you like Paige. Be like, oh my God, I remember you as Paige from WWE. I was a huge fan. I, I know you're kind of doing some other stuff. I'm not up to date with it or anything, but I, I loved you then. Would you mind if I grabbed a photo or something? Like, there's ways you can do it and not be. You know, I kind of want to borrow a saying from Simon Miller. Don't be a dick. Yeah, no, d- that's, he's my favorite, like, wrestling reviewer. He gets it. Like, he, you know, he does it, though, too. So he he has, like, a both sides perspective. But he definitely understands, like, there's no need to personally attack people for not liking their matches or something like that or their character, their storyline. Just weird. Well, actually, we're going to get off our soapboxes here and go into setting question number three. And we're getting back to enjoying some wrestling this week. Third sending question for you. Are you looking forward to a possible matchup of Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay at All In? Would that be something that you'd be interested in? Yes. I I think Jericho kind of has like a sort of a bad rap. I think people think he tends to like drag storylines out and stuff like that. But I kind of like this whole like Don Callis kind of re- it seemed like recruiting Will Ospreay first and then kind of recruiting Jericho. So maybe this is like a Will Ospreay isn't going to join with Don Callis and then he's going to use Jericho to get revenge for him or something. So I can see like kind of something like that going on. I, I genuinely enjoyed big time Jericho when he gets like these big matchups. I think usually he's still at the top of his game when it when it comes down to it. And after kind of seeing like uh, Osprey and Okada and stuff like that. I think they could fill it. I know Jericho's, you know, he's got the age, but I think he can still go out and put on a good enough match that I'd want to see it. Okay, I know a lot of fans want to see Omega versus Will Ospreay 3 at All In. The only problem with this match is what kind of finish do you have here? Because Will just won that title like a month ago. Went over Okada, so like, do you have him just lose again to Kenny Omega for nothing just because it's a big show? I don't think so. Exactly, Ashley. That's the problem about having this third matchup here now in the present. There's not enough time since the second matchup. And the fact that that's a New Japan Pro Wrestling title, they get to make the call on that. I was going to say, maybe they're waiting for a big New Japan um, you know, date to have three instead of a big AEW event. And that would make sense because if Will Ospreay is their next, you know, like top guy, you know, seemingly like it would make more sense that they'd want this big culmination of Omega and Ospreay in New Japan. AEW. Okay, so for the fans that want this match at All In, would it be worth to wait for six months to have this at Wrestle Kingdom January the 4th? I feel like that would be the time to pull the trigger on Will Ospreay Omega 3 if you're not having Will Ospreay in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. I think that would be perfect. Honestly, I like I like when we kind of give feuds like we know they're like inextricably linked right now. We know they're going to come back to each other. So we know it's coming. You can have some stuff building in New Japan and in AEW leading up to Wrestle Kingdom to kind of set up for it because 
AEW promotes New Japan stuff, so we'll know when it's going on. And New Japan is always talking about AEW stuff, so they'll know when what's happening. Everyone can get caught up on it. That's their biggest event. And I think, like I said, you know, Osprey seemed seemingly their guy. Let's do it there. And let's maybe have him beat any there. Exactly, Ashley. And the fact that we waited six months to get Will Ospreay versus Omega 2, did it do anything to make it less exciting, less interesting than the first one, Ashley? No, not at all. I think um, I kind of see a lot of complaints, too, when we see like rematches very quickly, like back to back. And I kind of get that. But like when there's a feud, like it makes sense. Like they would wrestle multiple times and that's part of the story. So like you have to deal with the rematches because the different in-ring stuff will move the story forward. So get some kind of like stuff going, let Kenny kind of build himself back up, you know, after the big loss to Osprey, get him some singles matches and stuff where he gets some big wins and stuff, kind of build him back up himself and then get back to it. Well, we're going to leave that question there, Ashley, as we move on to another Will Osprey question, because we're going to send in question number four. If you haven't seen the matchup from G1 with Osprey versus Okada from their group matchup, pause this podcast, go watch that match real fast, and come back. Okay, Ashley, is this the torch passing moment that I think it is for Will Osprey as he finally got the victory over Okada clean in a match that was freaking good for about 19 minutes. I think they went about 19 minutes. I think so. Um, I don't think like Okada's like going anywhere or anything, but definitely maybe, you know, kind of stepping back from like, you know, top level kind of status, even if just for now. But I think I, you can't pick a better dude than Osprey to like feed your company right now. He is absolutely on fire. He's amazing. I can't, I can't, I don't have enough praise for <laughs> Ashley, they still got me in this match because there's a moment where Okada has the money clip lock in on Osprey, and Osprey is going out and he fights back. And Okada's going like, "Oh no, you're not." He hits a rainmaker and pulls him back into the money clip. And I think that's gonna be the finish. They protect Will Osprey. He gave a great ballot fight here, but it's still the Okada one, and it's gonna be Okada. Then I got shocked because Will Osprey kicks out. And here comes Will Ospreay with his hidden blade into a Stormbreaker. And he finally cleared the mountain that is Okada. That hidden blade, man. That move. So just the stating looking. Oh my. You know, honestly, Ashley, I feel like this is the best run of Osprey's career. Yeah, and he's killing it like everywhere. Multiple companies, multiple countries. <laughs> like you can't find a like a dude like to have a bad match with him. Like, I don't think. Like everything he's done has been so good in the past few, but like you said, like it's been going on months, years now. <laughs> so my feeling is I think they're gonna have Osprey win this G one and we may not get Omega and Osprey three at WrestleCam. It might be Sonata versus Osprey for the New Japan World title at Wrestle Kingdom. That can be good. I'm definitely like Sonata more. It's just five guys. <laughs> you know, I think Sonata gets a bad rap. I think so too. Like, okay, anybody taking the title off of Okada is going to have to do a lot of work to build a fan trust up that, yeah, I can carry this title because they put a lot of time and trust into Okada. Like, totally justified. This dude helped them through the worst period of New Japan Pro Wrestling as we had a global pandemic. Now we're coming out of it. We're trying to reheat up New Japan Pro Wrestling to before the pandemic era. And it looks like Osprey would be your top Taijin. He's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with this dude. This dude's good on the mic. He's good in the ring. He can bring New Japan Pro Wrestling to North America, be that face to carry the company in North America. And you know what? Sonata 
I hate to use the word transitional champion, but he's a fine transitional champion. Yeah. And I, I, he's he's good and he deserves, like, it's tough because, like, New Japan, like, their titles, like, their title changes always, like, such a momentous occasion, usually. Like, it, you know, like, it doesn't seem like they just do it sometimes, like we see here in America, just to move the title or something like that. But it's not just because he is a transitional champion like he is but it's still because he's put in so much work he's gotten so much better you know it's a recognition still of, of what he's accomplished and what he's done exactly and i love the fact that new japan pro wrestling takes time with their title changes and they make them a big freaking deal so much it, it always feels like such a like a, a like a momentum shifter when a title switches in it in in New Japan where it doesn't always feel that way here in America. You know, there's a time where AEW were taking their titles like that, and I kind of worry now that they have fallen down into the trap of like the WWE where we need a rating for this show. Oh, title match, title change, and they just started hot potatoing around a title. Perfect example: the TNT title. That title is a hot potato title. Yeah, and I feel like that's why it doesn't feel like it's anything right now even with like christian being like the mouthpiece behind it who's somebody like everybody seems to love we all know he can cut a great promo we all kind of want to see him but what's what's going on here you know <laughs> and i do want to throw one more thing one more quick osprey note retweeted something the other day and it just the way my brain works is he retweeted uh the hangman entrance from two years ago when uh hangman teamed up with the dark Order to take on the elite the one with the big promo the video package where you don't need a hat to be a cowboy that that's my favorite like one of my favorite entrances of all time but he retweeted it and it was like hey two years on this is still really hard you know like this is still great and i was like can, can we just get osprey to come in and have a match with hangman <laughs> like i would love to see that get that on an aw tv Oh, hey, All In. Why not just do that at All In? We're thinking about booking All In right now. Heyman versus Will Ospreay. Yeah, that would be a match I wanted to see. I mean, like, there's a lot of things with Will Ospreay and people on the AEW roster that I would love to see. I mean, I mentioned Sammy Guevara, Daniel Garcia. There's a lot of people that Ospreay could have a good match with. And, oh my god, you just gave Heyman Adam Page versus Ospreay. I feel like that would be a pay-per-view level worthy match. Hell yeah. And I would pay for it. <laughs> you know, it's funny because we still don't know how we're going to see all in here in North America. And I'm looking at Tony going like, Tony, I have this bucket of money. I want to give it to you. Can you tell us how we're going to see this? I'm kind of disappointed we haven't had at least like updates yet on like at least some concrete, you know, streaming service it's going to be on or, you know, pay-per-view availability or whatever. But did you see the trademark they filed? Oh, yeah. Apparently, this week, AEW has filed for a trademark called AEW Plus, and it looks like it will be their streaming service coming up. We don't have a date for the service to launch yet, but this is like the first baby step that you need to do to go down the road to have our streaming services to secure the name right to the said service. Like, damn it. Like, I guess take my money. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna subscribe if it does come out. So I'm hoping I'm hoping it'll have like all the back catalog of all the Dynamite. Stuff like that so i'm just excited i'm i'm ready for some details to start uh coming out you know what tony if you're listening to this podcast and you probably are why don't you just merge rena honor club into this new streaming service and just make it one mega freaking wrestling hub yeah i mean ring of honor is not expensive it's only like 10 bucks can't imagine it, like an aw one costing much more like maybe i think streaming services kind of cap off at like 15 20 dollars a month or so so even if that if that's the case and but it has like all the back catalogs, all you know, everything AEW's done, everything they're gonna do forward, I'm still gonna grab. 
Actually, I would pay $15 a month if I had the full access to all the AEW content and the Real Honor content bubbling in one service. And yeah, I'm, hope, I'm hoping for the, like we talked about like last week, that they sort of settle something with the pay-per-views and figure out. I think 12 is too much. And I think also, you know, the couple of Ring of Honor pay-per-views they have a year, which is another 40 bucks, going to be too much for people to do in every month. So if you can find a way to put those on the streaming service, I think you, you have like a, a, a surefire way to, to get people to subscribe. Exactly. You don't have to put all your pay-per-views onto the streaming service. You could literally do six as regular pay-per-views at $15 a pop and have the other six be a part of the service for, like we said, 15 bucks a month. Kind of a premium life. So it's, like a, it's kind of a joke, but it's it's not because I, I, do, I genuinely don't think wrestling fans will pay that for pay-per-views anymore. They haven't had that model in years. WWE kind of took that away years ago. So people haven't had to pay that monthly for pay-per-views in so long. I don't think anybody's willing to go back to that model. So find a way to throw them on the streaming service. Even if the streaming service costs a bit more, you'll have people sign up though to to the pay-per-views. Even if you got to pay for like, say the big four in like Forbidden Door and like one other one or something, you know, that's fine. Exactly. Because I feel like you're increasing your pool of revenue because you can have a small group of people who are hardcore of the hardcores. Hey, I'll pop down $50 a month to watch this live on pay-per-view. But imagine... You can expand that hardcore group with a bunch of not so hardcore who may not have fifty dollars a month. They get to toss out another pay per view, but they can go without their Starbucks for one day. Take take that fifteen dollars and toss it into a, paying for AEW Plus. You just get fifteen dollars for a larger group of people who gonna make up the difference in that fifty dollar price range. Okay, I feel like Tony needs to hire us to be part of his financial advisor team now. He also needs to hire us to run production because that production on Saturday killed me. Okay, Ashley, we're inside the studies this questions, but let's just go ahead and do one of our new segments here. It's the AEW production fail of the week presented by Ashley. Go for it. God, this one killed me. I even commented on it on Twitter, and I'm I'm not usually even one to complain about things even on that I'm not happy with on Twitter. I feel like there's enough negativity out there, so I try to keep it positive. But to cut away at the end of the match. As Jay White is setting up the Blade Runner to show Juice Robinson standing on the floor doing nothing is absolutely insane. <laughs> Why? Why did that happen? You know the end of the match is coming. You know the finish is coming. And you just cut away to basically the floor mat. And then had to show the finisher in picture and picture 20 seconds later. Why? Why? <laughs> I feel like Simon <laughs> Why? I just don't know. I literally talked to David on Monday's show about this. Going like, David, what's Jay White's finisher? He's like the Blade Runner. I'm like, yes, it's the Blade Runner. I'm like wanting to see Jay White walk through the curtain and go like, hi, do you know what my finisher is? When I have dude in this position, you might want to put the camera on me. I feel like continuously, like I even went back and watched like Blood and Gut and stuff like on TV and I saw the camera cuts that people were talking about. Like, I'm no producer. I'll do it for a lot less money. I know not to cut away when the finish is happening. <laughs> you know, actually, I got one to toss in here for you. If you go back and watch that Britt Baker versus Tyler Battery match, Tyler comes into the corner and there's a cameraman behind Britt. So they're going to try to show the knees to the face spot. You don't get to see Britt at all in that shot. It's all Tyler. And you think, oh, Britt slid out from the move. She did slide out from the move. Just showing you her doing nothing, essentially, until they cut away to a 
virgin. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, that's what was happening. And I was like, come on, guys. We talk about this every week. You have this on the monitor. Like, what is happening? It's like I told David, it made me want to wish Kevin Dunn could teleport over. And that was like me grasping at straws. Like, I want Kevin Dunn now. God, it was so bad. Like, just a, it's such a simple thing that could be fixed. And it's, I don't know why they're still struggling. Okay, so we're going to move away from one of our favorite news segments. I want to cheer myself up with the fifth stunning question. As coming out Monday is the Cody Rose WWE documentary highlighting his return back to the company. Ashley, are you looking forward to this as much as I am? I don't know if as much, but I am looking forward to it. I think this is kind of such a weird story for, for Cody and stuff like that. And to kind of finally have like more of a, you know, definitive, I guess not answer, but kind of like maybe explanation or like, you know, like his reasonings and his thoughts about, you know, the whole process and what happened at the time, I think can kind of maybe help a lot of the fans. Who, like, it's just, I still see some fans like make comments and stuff about Cody Rhodes and like how he feels towards AEW or how he fits into WWE and like... It's better to, you know, get it from the horse's mouth, as they say, you know, like, I'm very interested to hear his side of everything and what he thinks of this whole situation. I'm just looking forward to seeing the story being told of how he came back to the company, because if you remember when he left the WWE back in a day, he let his contract run out. They were going to offer him good money to stay, but like he said, it was money to stay in the same position. He wanted to go out and bet on himself. And he fed on himself and he went and traveled around the world doing independent shows and finding the elite, befriending the elite, and then going into create a wrestling promotion that is now the second largest promotion in North America. And then leaving that promotion to come back to the one place where he hadn't succeeded yet. And I feel like that's the big reason. It's like he still wants to prove the point that he can make it in the WWE. I think that was a big deciding factor for him as well. I, I feel like kind of like that pressure with WWE being like the biggest company for so long to be like you want to be at the pinnacle you have to be at the top of the WWE because that's the place to be and I still feel like even with AEW around like maybe that feeling hasn't gone away so much for some people and hey you can't fault the dude for doing what he wants to do he's making money he's getting taken care of he's uh, he's in a prominent position he's beloved by fans everywhere on both sides even though I know there have been you know, kind of people that try to put a negative spin on everything and, and attack him for things. But he made the best decision for himself and his family. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. Exactly. I'm waiting to see how the WWE put their spin onto this documentary because we all know that WWE does do a heavy-handed job sometimes in these documentaries. So that's one thing I'm looking out for. That's true. I feel like sometimes they get a little bit better with it. I know um, there was a lot of talk because uh, Cody got the approvals for like BTE footage to be in this documentary and stuff like that. So it's going to be kind of cool to see like, you know, his takes on like that kind of stuff and, and his thoughts on like the relationship that these companies kind of have together now being kind of now linked as the two biggest companies in America right now. Exactly. So we'll probably have a question next week dealing with the Dr. Mary and what I thought about the Dr. Mary probably. So let's move on to our sixth and final setting question. We kind of touched on it in our opening. Now we kind of already hash this out if we want to see a double turn or not so i'm going to ask this question for my sixth question for you ashley will this be the match of the year tag team match of the year after tonight and given that we already have one with with like ftr and and bullet club gold yeah oh it definitely has the potential okay so if this match comes out being better than ftr versus bullet club gold one thing ashley ftr 
basically cements the fact that they are the best tag team of the year 2023. Like I said, like we we kind of talked about how like when they won the titles, it didn't really it didn't feel as important. The tag team titles kind of got pushed to the back, but that Bullet Club Gold rivalry and those matches kind of made those titles feel important and, and FTR feel big again. So going right into this, which is like I feel like the hottest thing in AEW right now, MJF and Adam Cole. MJF is so good in ring. This could be better than the two like match. <laughs> Okay, here's a follow-up question for you, Ashley. Would you be bad if they went 60 minutes and not have a winner? They go 60 minutes to a draw, and they kick this down the curve? I think so. I feel like we use that time limit draw as a crutch sometimes to kind of push things further. We don't really need to do that. But I do like the realisticness of hitting a time limit draw in a match, too. So I'm kind of torn because there is sense for it. But I also don't want to see it used as a crutch to push something further. I hope for a decisive win. Really, I really do want MJF and Adam Cole with the title. Oh, so my heart is going to be broken tonight. I can tell you. <laughs> well, I won't have my fingers crossed for you, Ashley. I'm going to hope that team better than you baby becomes champions so we do have mgf two belts going on because i feel like that would be a fun thing to watch so listen to that dude get on a mic and talk about that oh my god we're all in trouble <laughs> but brochacho i got two titles oh uh, yeah either that or i hope like we get some like roddy interference or some kingdom interference or something to kind of like cement adam cole as the heel of there's so many ways this story can go i'm just so excited for this freaking match tonight same <laughs> same i love not knowing like it, i feel like in wrestling we kind of have those tropes like we know sometimes just go in like rampage is a great example of that but like this is perfect like not knowing what's gonna happen to have four of the most talented dudes AEW has to offer in the ring at the same time it's gonna be good tonight exactly actually this is why i love collision because it makes me sit down after the show to make questions and i don't have the answers and i can just sit here and spin the wheels here and i can come up with like three or four different directions i'm like this is what professor russian should be i think i do want to give a quick shout out to the swerve and darky match because that was fuck okay let's go ahead and talk about this for a second actually swerve struggling is the most underrated professional wrestler on the AEW roster, and it's a crying shame that he doesn't have a freaking title around his waist. It is. I feel like it's the direction we're moving toward, though, with this. That Swerve and Darby match was so good. <laughs> that Dun Valley driver hurt. <laughs> I wasn't even there. I like AR Fox joining him, too, getting thrown back to, like, some Lucha Underground <laughs> stuff. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, Fox, who's been kind of moved around and kind of not really had a place now, has a place because he's very good. So finding a place for him, I feel is crucial, you know, get him settled and situated and with a character and, you know, a group and, and like a set mission kind of thing. So, you know, now we know where he's going instead of bouncing him around from partner to partner. So good. I feel like we're moving him towards a TNT title, though. So Yeah, but you know what else that gives you? Ashley, it gives you another tag team for whoever has the belts after Saturday night. And hey, you want to see AR Farts as as a tag team? I do. Raise your hand. I do. Yes. But yeah, I mean, there's another thing that we could talk about criticism coming out of that episode of Dynamite. A lot of people are going like, who's this AR Fox guy? Why is he turning on like, the best friends and okay yeah sort of something is there but why is this match on AEW because last week you had Bud and Guts uh you can't have Bud and Guts every week on TV or you'll get sick and tired of it and this was a perfectly fine episode of AEW TV and it gave you a chance to look at some other talent who wouldn't get TV time if we didn't have that big massive event the week before yeah I feel like um 
a big complaint is like not getting every single person on the roster on every show and like need everybody on the roster. I love the I love Kenny Omega. I love the book. I, I want to I would love to see them every week. Realistically, it's not possible. And I know that I know they're not going to be on the show. Every, they need their bodies all need to heal after that. <laughs> everybody, you know, I'm surprised we even saw pack. <laughs> you know, actually, the funny thing is the people who are complaining about that are the same people who were complaining in 2007, 2008 about Vince Russo trying to run everybody down our throats. Yeah, like, I, I like the breakups and I like seeing the people that aren't as utilized as much kind of have that, like, we had that whole show focused on the BCC and, and the elite. Now we have the show that kind of focused on more of the people they're looking to elevate and that they want to put up into these higher up spots. And it- and I was happy that we're seeing a certain in a few that's not involving Keith Lee, like, they've been carried out on for like a year now. We got finally to a new chapter of this story where Charles Sutherland has a new partner, one that you probably ain't going to turn on in a while. Right. I mean, the Keith Lee stuff, I, I get why people were into it because it seemed like they were teasing the big one-on-one match and then that match still hasn't come. You know, like it was weird. It kind of, they had the feud, they had some stuff and then Keith Lee kind of disappeared off TV. So I'm not sure if something was like going on. I know a lot of people tend not to disclose like sicknesses or injuries and stuff as, as much as they used to just for privacy sake and whatever, you know. So I don't know if something happened. I don't know. Keith Lee just kind of started teaming with Dustin Rhodes and that they kind of went off and started doing something and then it kind of just fizzled out. So I'm not exactly sure why we never got the big one-on-one blow off, you know? You know, I felt like we had a match where it gave us finality to that feud and somehow they restarted it i'm just happy they decided let's just put that on the back burner because right now strickland is like the hottest thing besides mjs as a heel and they're focusing on this guy and i'm happy if i get to see charles Swetland versus orange cassidy i never thought i would say i want to see orange cassidy versus charles Swetland, but here i am okay yeah i would love to see it they, that little bit at the rumble the rampage rumble was good so give them a full you know and i mean like the international title is the secondary title now, and I feel like that would be a proper title for Star Wars. I feel like, like I said, I feel like we're moving Darby towards the TNT title again, and then I feel like it's going to lead to Swerve winning it, which is fine, because I, like I said, I'm not too thrilled about Darby going back to the TNT title, especially after the four pillars, like four-way match and everything like that, but... I feel like if somebody could put some kind of respect back on the TNT title, maybe Darby could do it, having been the champion before. And people, you know, he still always gets a great reaction. People love them. So. And I mean, it's a perfectly good triangle. You got Nick Wayne, Darby, and Swerfelton. If that's the future for the TNT title for the next six months or so, okay, fine. I'll be happy to watch that. Yeah. We were kind of talking about the title changes with New Japan. I feel like it doesn't always water it down if it means something. But with the TNT title, it hasn't always felt like it is something when the title is switched. So that's kind of what's killed it, in my opinion. So I feel like Darby finally winning it, that title has always meant something to Darby. You know, he's going to care about it. He's going to do right by it. And then losing it in a like kind of like his blood feud here with Swerve is is a far better and more compelling way to go. With- and I feel like either guy could rehab his title to bring it back up to probably the same level, if not just a little bit below where Orange Cassidy has that international title at the moment. Yeah. Okay, Ashley, we're going to go and update everybody on this little tournament that me, Rio Free Professional Wrestling, and Six Win Media is having. We are trying to decide the greatest Silver Slam match ever. And our first round matchups are all decided. I can tell you the winners, but I got one tie and it's in our region. And it's a matchup between two really good matches. It's Edge versus Taker 2008. It's in a Hell in a Cell match. It's where Edge was being aligned with Vicky. They were quote unquote married. And the Undertaker got unsuspended by Vicky because Edge was fooling around and she wanted revenge. And we get to see Edge 
get choke slammed through the freaking wrestling ring. And I put that up against the Boiler Room Brawl, one of the best backstage kind of matches from that era of WWE FTV. So, Ashley, it's a 50 50 draw, and you're the deciding choice here. Who's advancing? No pressure. Yeah, no pressure at all. I often tweet about AEW, so most people who know my, my account or, you know, my wrestling takes will know me as an AEW fan, but most people do not know that The Undertaker was my all time favorite growing up. Um, So, to put two Undertaker matches, um, one that profoundly affected me as a child, <laughs> as the two final choices, um, is white a tough chore. The Boiler Room Brawl made me cry when I was a child. <laughs> I loved The Undertaker and Paul Bearer turning on The Undertaker absolutely destroyed six-year-old me. <laughs> I learned very early, don't trust anybody. But SummerSlam 2008 was such a good match with Edge. Oh, I feel like it's a better like wrestling experience, but I think I might have to go with what destroyed me emotionally. <laughs> okay, so we're going to advance the Boiler Room Brawl into our Elite Eight. It was actually, it was a very good feud. Okay, so the Radio Free Professionalizing region, we had our fourth seed, which was CM Punk versus John Cena from 2011. I'm kind of upset with everybody right now because it beat Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect from 1991. I was hoping that the five seed would carry the day, but apparently everybody kind of dug the 2011 John Cena versus CM Punk, the end of the Summer of the Punk match better. Okay, fine, cool. I mean, they're both perfectly good matches, like I said my childhood is like Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect so that kind of tore me there I remember being like walking around with my coat like Bret Hart <laughs> like Bret Hart was like he was like my number two or how many times I ever walk around with a shirt and try to do the Mr. Perfect toss over my shoulder I like just wanted to do it like we'll never do it he was so good <laughs> he was perfect okay so our three versus six matchup I had Triple H versus Shawn Michaels the unsanctioned match versus a generational battle between Trish and Charlotte Flair and Triple H and Shawn Michaels carried a day there, so our three seed advanced in that matchup. Ashley decided our two versus seven, so our seven seed defeated our two seed, which was the Edge versus Taker Hell in a Cell. Now, our 1v8 match, I knew this would work the way it did, and is why I seeded it as the number one match in my region. It's Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog from Wembley Stadium, 1992, and yes, it defeated Stardust versus Stephen Amell, the Green Arrow. <laughs> well... I think that one. Okay, so going over to the six win region, we had their four seed, which was HBK versus Rachel Rulon, the second ladder match versus Tag Team TLC 1 from SummerSlam 2000. So Tag Team TLC 1, that matchup, it will advance to the next round. Their two versus seven matchup was Owen Hart versus Bret Hart inside a steel cage. That was, that was their two seed. Their seven seed was CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar from 2013. That's most notably known for the heel turn by Heyman as Heyman came into that match with CM Punk, but he left with the Beast and Cardiff. So Brett and Owen defeated the 2013 match. Their two seed will advance. Their three versus six matchup kind of tore my heart here because I was kind of rooting for the sixth seed, and I'll tell you a minute why, Ashley. But their three seed was Daniel Bryan versus John Cena from 2013. It's the start of Daniel Bryanson versus the 40 storyline where everybody thought he was a B-plus player. Oh, yep, okay. Okay, now they had put this up against Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar from last year's 
SummerSlam. It's the one where Cowboy brought brought his trash shirt to Nashville and destroyed the ring. And I, I was kind of hoping that was going to carry the day with his pick here because Matt was trying to keyboard warrior this thing into existence. And I was trying to help him. But unfortunately, Daniel Bryan and John Cena for 2013 carried that one. So once you listen to this podcast, slide over to our Twitter account. The second round matchups will be up. Ready for you to vote. You have from the time you hear this to probably Monday morning at 6 a.m. to log your vote for the second round. So if you don't like the choices and who advanced, try to get your match through to the second round here. You gotta vote. I'm gonna go vote. <laughs> I gotta say, I love doing this with the six button media guys. We did this back for WrestleMania and it was a lot of fun. And it's just interesting to see how the bony happens and see which match will go. Cause sometimes I think a match will carry the day, like say Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect, but Apparently, I'm just a little bit older than our listenership, so hey, no problem. I'm perfectly happy with all the matches, so. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this has ended this week's episode of Radio Free for Bachelor Wrestling. Ashley, where can we find you to watch your takes during the week? So I'm on Twitter. It's at Groovy underscore Ash under. And I would highly recommend you guys going over to her Twitter account and following her because she is one good live Twitter for Collision. It makes Collision watching a whole lot better because you get Ashley takes. Thank you. I Like I said, I'm also not like a negative person. I'm usually positive. So if you are, you know, you're positive, you're into wrestling, follow me. I'll follow back. We can talk about any of the shows coming up. I don't care which company you watch, which who's your favorite. Just let's talk wrestling. Just make sure you don't say anything bad about MJF and Adam Cole or you'll get a double R clothesline. Yes, that's true. That's true. So until we see you this Monday with me and David, I hope you have a steady rest of your weekend. Ashley, we'll catch you back here next week on Radio Free for Pressure Wrestling. Take care. You too, Sean. Thank you. Christina here. On behalf of the guys, thanks for listening. Like the show? Do us a favor and share it with a friend. Have a stunning question? Email it to the show at radiofreeprowrestling at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Radio Free Pro Wrestling. Stay stunningly.